everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Movies. And we're going to cover today part two of my breakdown of one of my favorite movies of all time, Joe versus the Volcano. And uh, as I say at the beginning of every one of these podcasts, if you haven't heard uh, or if you haven't watched the movie already, then um, you know please do go watch it before listening to the podcast. Uh, and you know, you don't have to, you can always, uh, there's a lot of spoilers. So I'm going to go through the ending of the movie here, uh, during this episode. So if you want to have, you know, some suspense about how it's going to end, although this isn't really a thriller by any means, um, then stop this podcast right now, go watch this wonderful movie from 1990 and then come back and listen to the rest. And also, I, I guess I'm not going to do a lot of two-part episodes, or I don't know, maybe I will. Uh, this is, podcast is new, and I tend to have a lot to say about the movies I really enjoy. But um, if you haven't listened to part one of this podcast, then please go back uh, and listen to uh, the last episode before this one, which was Joe versus the Volcano Part 1. And... We talked about a lot of things in um, part one, including the influence that uh, seems like the influence on Tom Hanks uh, and the producers of the movie of Joseph Campbell and his hero's journey. Um, and I went over what are the elements of the hero's journey, one of which is uh, crossing a body of water, which uh, related to some religions is is associated with baptism. It's it's a journey to another world. So the hero in every one of these stories has to go to some other world that he's unfamiliar with. And when I say world, that could mean another country. It could mean uh, another time if it's science fiction. Uh, it could mean going to the underworld. You notice in a lot of the ancient myths, the hero has to go down to the underworld, uh, if you think of the Greek myths, and um, maybe rescue the goddess who's trapped there by the by Hades, the or you know uh, accomplish some other feat in the other world, then come back to the world of the living. And this is symbolized in a lot of these types of stories where there's a shipwreck. Think of Robinson Crusoe. So he takes a voyage, there is a shipwreck, and he's on this island that is not the England he's familiar with, or I think by the time that happens, he's living in Brazil, I'm going on memory, somewhere in South America where he's a slave trader. Um, But um, he then has to, you know, learn how to survive and adapt to this new world, and he ends up, in some respects, rescuing Friday, well, literally rescues Friday from being um, captured and and killed and eaten by um, a, a, a rival tribe. And, you know, Friday's a captive when Crusoe first uh, meets him. And he, he saves Friday from them. And then he, you know, tries to civilize him in the good old English way. Um, and then Friday ends up going back to England with... Um, with Crusoe. So the body of water is very important in that story. Um, it is sort of a baptism into a new life and, and Crusoe comes away from that, uh, spiritually and morally, uh, has grown 
with his time on the island, which is like 27 years. Tom Hanks only has to spend four years on the island in Castaway. So, uh, you know, he was a short timer compared to uh, Robinson Crusoe. But getting back to Joe versus the volcano, we left off the last episode where Joe and Patricia and, and crew are on Patricia's father's yacht headed for uh, the island of the Big Woo. Um, and uh, right before we left off at the point where Joe finally tells Patricia his situation, which is that he has this um, incurable disease. He's going to die within a few months and the whole thing. He's hired by her father to uh, come jump in the volcano. And interestingly there, we talked also about the fact that Meg Ryan plays all three uh, characters who are significant women in Joe's life during the movie. And, uh, and Patricia being the last and, and the true uh, intended woman for Joe. Um, but she, and uh, in, in, in the fact that Meg Ryan playing three different women in different stages of kind of um, development. So you have the very childish and fearful and, um, you know, not all that aware um, Dee Dee at the beginning. Okay. And she can't handle the truth <laughs> that Joe tells her about what's going on. And if you remember early on in the movie, she says, you know, Oh my God, is it catching? You know? And, um, then the middle character we have is um, Meg Ryan playing uh, Angelica, who is the worldly but definitely lost soul, going back to exegesis of the soul, which we talked about in the last episode. She's the one that's lost in the identification with the physical world, with creature comforts. Um, it's implied that she sleeps around quite a bit. Um, yeah, we don't see that on screen and we don't hear it said precisely, but we kind of get that impression when the first thing that Patricia asks Joe is, did you sleep with Angelica? And of course that suggests that <laughs> sleeping with Angelica isn't, isn't too heavy a lift for most men. Uh, otherwise that wouldn't be the first thing that Patricia asked. So we have uh, Patricia here hearing Joe's uh, story and, and what's really going on and why they're really going to the island. And, and for a moment, she, she hesitates. She kind of backslides into being Didi. She even says, Oh my God, is it catching? You know? And I think that's very purposeful to, to tie her back, but then she's able to move on from that. And she's a, she is able to handle it. And um, you'll see that after that moment, you know, her relationship with Joe definitely becomes a lot more intense. And uh, right after this this uh, evening where uh, Joe tells Patricia what's going on with him, we get the storm scene. And, um, you know, it's, it's a typical, you know, typhoon or whatever at sea. We have multiple instances of... Um, Patricia and uh, Joe uh, being heroic in some way or another and also being uh, vulnerable in some way or other. So Patricia is more worried about her crew and the character Dagmar. She asked Joe to go watch over him and she goes back on deck. She's, 
She's either going to save her ship or go down with the ship. And there's a point during this storm where um, Joe and Patricia kiss for the first time. So you're finally at that point where there's a romance here. But immediately after, Patricia is knocked overboard by like a swinging mast, uh, another plot device that you've seen in many, many movies. She falls into the ocean and Joe jumps in after her uh, and pulls her to the surface. And this is important. This is another motif that runs through all of these hero stories. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of them. And definitely runs through the ancient Greek myth savior god story, uh, which is that um, the the savior god or savior hero um, and the lost soul, the heroine, are often saving each other at different times. So this is the first time that either one of them, their lives need to be saved and Joe jumps into the water and of course, this is, you know, the old firefighter hero coming out in him that love has inspired him to not be fearful. Because if you remember, fear uh, is the overriding weakness that Joe has recognized in himself. And the reason that he, let, you know, let Mr. Waturi bully him around and even kept that awful job he had for all those years was uh, fear. And he says that during the... Um, during his diatribe, during his his uh, telling off of Mister Waturi, and so this idea that the 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 hero saves the uh, heroine, the heroine that saves the hero at different times, you saw that in the Matrix, um, where uh, Neo is shot by the agents and he's dying, and um, uh, Trinity actually brings him back to life with a kiss. And then, of course, Neo comes back to life and saves the world. Now, this goes back all the way to the Osiris story. And I don't know if if I actually laid out the bones of the Osiris story on the first episode because I can't remember. But I'll give it to you again in case you missed it or to remind you. And forgive me if, if I did go over this. I don't think I did. But the Osiris story basically is this. Osiris is the son of God uh, and uh, the mother goddess, Nut. And he becomes the king of Thebes, uh, kind of um, the human uh, god-man. And there's a part in Plutarch's uh, description of his exploits that he goes around the earth preaching peace and establishes peace on earth amongst all the nations. Um so that should kind of sound like another uh, son of God that you might be familiar with. And uh, uh, eventually, though, um, Osiris's e- evil brother, Seth, arranges to have him murdered. And uh, Seth then marries Isis, Osiris's wife. This, this probably should sound familiar to you um, also, not, not with... Um, with Greek myth, but uh, a very popular uh, Renaissance uh, work of uh, literature. So Seth marries Isis and actually has Osiris dismembered after he's dead, and they scatter Osiris's parts all over the world. And um, Isis then 
goes wandering the earth looking for the pieces of Osiris and finds them one by one. By the way, while she's wandering, she says, um, evil men have taken my Lord and I don't know where they have lain him. Words that are quoted by Mary Magdalene in at least one of the Gospels uh, when she comes to the tomb and there's no Jesus there. So just another one of those um, points where the Gospels quote the earlier Savior God myths. But eventually she puts Osiris back together, um, all his parts, and the only one she can't find is his male sex organ, and she makes a false one. And in some versions, that's what's used to conceive Horus. The Plutarch version is a little fuzzy on exactly where Horus comes from, but he's her son. Horus being the son, and Horus um, then uh, grows up wanting to avenge his father's death, and his father Osiris comes back from the dead and advises Horus on how to fight Seth. And eventually there's this epic battle between uh, Seth and Horus that Horus defeats Seth and in the process loses his eye. So if you're familiar with the eye on the back of, I think it's the $1 bill or maybe it's more than one of the American bills, that is the eye of Horus. That's what they're referring to there. And I won't go down the rabbit hole of the connection between the Scottish Rite Freemasons, the Knights Templar, the ancient myths, the ancient mysteries, but there is one there. We could talk about that some other day. But in any case, um, Horus is then triumphant, and then Osiris leaves uh, uh, Horus and Isis and, and ascends to heaven, where he becomes the judge of dead people. So when you die, you go before Osiris to be judged. So in, in addition to all of the similarities there between to the Jesus story, the one that's an even more, a better match would of course be Hamlet, uh, which is where uh, Shakespeare got his source material for Hamlet was Plutarch's uh, uh, version of the Osiris and Isis story. And just as another little tidbit, uh, if you're familiar with the Hamlet story, where of course it doesn't play out the same way because, because, the Horus character being Hamlet dies despite uh, being visited by his dead father. Um, that's making it a tragedy instead of, uh, instead of this heroic story. Uh, that's also the basis for the Lion King. So the Lion King, the Disney movie, is based on Hamlet, of course. And Hamlet is based on the Osiris and Isis saga, which in addition to Plutarch, I mean, he went fishing through the pyramid texts which are uh, texts carved on the wall of a pyramid thousands of years uh, before Christ was said to have lived. And I think I mentioned in maybe the last one that um, utterance one of the pyramid texts is uh, the mother goddess nut saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So anyway, um, Joe saves Patricia and unfortunately, the ship is lost with all hands, and Joe and Patricia are out in the middle of the water, and then the uh, bodacious luggage that Joe uh, purchased during one of my favorite scenes comes, you know, the, the one of the things that the guy who sells the luggage to Joe says is it's watertight. 
So it, it it's resurfaces just like those barrels and jaws. <laughs> all of a sudden, whoosh, you know, up they come, all four of them. And Joe puts them together and makes like a, a raft out of all four pieces of luggage. And of course, um, uh, but there's a long period where Patricia is unconscious and Joe cares for her. And he uses a lot of the things, especially he had bought that violin mini bar and uh, there's some water in there and probably some soda water. And he, he rations that out and gives it all to Patricia. Um, and, uh, so they're on this raft and, um, at one point, Tom Hanks plays this song that he actually wrote for the movie with his ukulele, uh, the cowboy song. And, and Tom, uh, Tom's got a nice little voice there. He can carry a tune and, uh, he does a really, uh, a good job singing the song cowboy. Um, and they show him, you know, using that putting green that he bought he's got that out there while patricia is still unconscious so you've got the sleeping beauty myth being worked in here a little bit but uh as all this is happening of course since joe is giving the limited amount of water that's available from the violin bar all to patricia he's physically deteriorating you can see that he's uh beginning to die of thirst and um it's at this point that um, prop, the, the scene in this movie that is much more powerful and less comedic than just about any other scene. There's, there's moments in the movie where this turns to drama. And this would be his um, watching the moon rise over the ocean. And, and this is the scene that actually turned me on and as I was watching this movie for the first time, kind of clicked in my brain that they're drawing on these ancient myth sources because I can't believe that uh, John Patrick Shanley was not thinking of a work from the second century AD by Apuleius called Metamorphosis and then later called The Golden Ass. And I had read that before I saw Joe versus the volcano. So this scene where the the moon rises over the ocean and it is an incredibly powerful emotional moment for Joe. He's overcome with uh, the size, the 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 majesty um, of the moon, and I think uh, also of creation. And he starts um, saying, I, "I forgot how big you it was." I, I and then he starts thanking somebody, God, uh, the moon itself, for his life. Thank you for my life, he says. And um, if you've watched that scene, I want to read the passage in The Golden Ass where the same thing happens to um, the main character. Now, I guess I'll have to give you a little background. The Golden Ass is, is this story about uh, the hero named Lucius, who is literally turned into a donkey. And uh, again, to think about the hero's journey, this is his journey to another world, the world of being an animal. And the book is, you know, got all kinds of adventures while he is an, an ass, a donkey. And um, some of them are very, very comedic. Some of them are pretty 
racy comedy where there's there's uh, some woman of prominence. I can't remember if she's a um, if she's royalty or not, but she wants to uh, have sex with the donkey, and he's put in this position. Um, and of course, he wants to be changed back into a human. And what finally happens is he sees the moon rising over the ocean and he recognizes the moon as the goddess Isis. And I'll read the passage here because I, I think if you've seen Joe versus the volcano and watch this scene, it's, it's impossible for me to think that this scene, given all the other references to ancient Greek myth, uh, was not uh, on the, the writer's mind. But uh, now this is Apuleius writing the last book of uh, Metamorphosis or the Golden Ass. It was not yet midnight when I awoke with a sudden start to see the full moon just rising from the sea waves and shining with unusual brilliance. Now in the silent secrecy of night was my opportunity, knowing that this greatest of goddesses was supremely powerful, that all human life was ruled by her providence that not only all animals, both tame and wild, but even lifeless things, were animated by the divine power of her light and might, that as she waxed and waned, so in sympathy and obedience, every creature on earth, or in the heavens, or in the sea, was increased or diminished. And seeing that fate was now seemingly satiated with my long tale of suffering, and was offering me a hope, however late in the day, of rescue, I decided to beg for mercy from the awesome manifestation of the goddess that I now beheld. At once, shaking off my sluggish repose, I jumped up happily and briskly, and eager to purify myself, I plunged into the sea. Seven times I immersed my head, baptism, right? Uh, since that is the number which the godlike Pythagoras has told us in uh, most appropriate uh, is most appropriate in religious rituals, and then weeping, I uttered my silent prayer to the all-powerful goddess, Queen of Heaven. Whether you are Ceres, nurturing mother and creatrix of crops, who in your joy at finding your daughter again set aside the ancient acorn, fodder for wild beasts, and taught man the use of civilized food, and now fructify the plowlands of Eleusis. Or whether you are Venus, Urania, who in the first beginnings of the world by giving birth to love brought together the opposite sexes and so with never-ending regeneration perpetuated the human race and are now worshipped in the sanctuary of Sigurd Paphos. Or whether you are Phoebus's sister who by relieving women in labor with your soothing remedies have raised up many peoples and are now venerated in your shrine at Ephesus or whether you are pros I could never be able to say this word, proserpine, of the fearful night hollowing and triple countenance, you who hold back the attacks of ghosts and control the gates of hell, who pass at will among the sacred groves and are propitiated with many different rites, you who brighten cities everywhere with your female light and nourish the fertile seeds with your moist warmth and dispense according to the motions of the sun and ever-changing radiance, by whatever name and whatever manner in whatever guise it is permitted to call on you, do you now at last help me in the extremity of tribulation? Do you rebuild the wreck of my fortunes? Do you grant peace and respite from the cruel misfortunes that I have endured 
Let there be an end of toils, an end of perils. Banish this loathsome animal shape. Return me to the sight of my friends and family. Restore Lucius to himself. Or if I have offended some power that still pursues me with its savagery and will not be appeased, then at last let me die if I may not live. So he's appealing to Isis to save him. And, um, of course, Tom Hanks does not uh, identify the moon as Isis or God, or but he's talking to somebody. When, when he says, thank you for my life, he's thanking somebody, whether that's the Christian, Judeo-Christian God or some pagan God or whatever. Um, this is the moment where Joe himself um, is is his transformation is complete. He has overcome, uh, he will overcome going forward the fear that he had before. Uh, He will become the hero, and it's all because of this encounter with the moon and whatever it represents in the movie uh, Joe versus the Volcano. But it's it's just impossible. And and I think if you read the, the Metamorphosis, the Golden Ass in its entirety, you would probably... Um, appreciate even more how much this scene with Joe harkens back to that um, because of the way it appear, it, it occurs in the movie in the context of the story with two heroes who, uh, for in different ways, are handicapped, are um, not being themselves. They don't know themselves, and they they haven't um, they haven't fully come into themselves. So. Um, you know, that's that's some more homework. Read The Golden Ass if you want to appreciate Joe versus the volcano to its fullest. Um, and uh, perhaps uh, form your own take on that, on the similarities there. What are the differences? Um, certainly, Shanley is uh, more coy and leaves more open-ended what the moon represents, but it definitely represents some kind of supernatural power that uh, Joe is appealing to um, and actually giving thanks to rather than saying, save me. It's almost as if Joe realizes he will now save himself. And it's after this experience um, with the moon that Joe himself now collapses from exposure and thirst and um, he's woken up by Patricia, who's now awake, and she says to him, Joe, what, did you give all the water to me? You didn't, you didn't give, take any for yourself, and she's giving him water. So here we go. Now Patricia is saving Joe, right? Um, so Joe has saved Patricia. Patricia now saves Joe and um, allows him to go on and do the heroic thing. Um, and it's at that moment that they're spotted uh, by the Wapani, um, that they've they've somehow or other drifted to the island that they were um, originally trying to sail to on the boat. And then we have um, some great comedy, really, from the time the Wapani spot them uh, all the way through the end of the movie. Um, of course, they show the Wapani uh, lookout, and he's uh, a rather... Um, portly gentleman, uh, Polynesian looking. He's got traditional Polynesian garb on, I think maybe some bones uh, and a necklace. I can't remember, but he's drinking an orange soda and he's looking through what looks like 
a pretty old-fashioned telescope, probably from a couple hundred years before. And and he spots uh, Joe and Patricia, and you get that scene where, you know, you, you see in Mutiny on the Bounty and a million other movies where the uh, Polynesian natives come um, out in their outrigger canoes to meet the... Um, the uh, Europeans or whomever, in this case, Joe and Patricia, uh, and welcome them to the island. And uh, you have um, uh, the Toby chief, <laughs> the chief of the tribe is Abe Vigoda, who, you know, turns in his usual stellar performance. Um, and uh, he's got this little voodoo doll looking thing, you know, uh, that is some looks somewhat like himself and they, he's asked about it, and he says, that's my soul. So uh, you've got these little references in there. And uh, if you remember, there's a, a many, many examples of this, but um, the, the natives preparing uh, the goddess, if you think of um, King Kong, the way they kind of uh, prepare Fay Ray to, to be sacrificed to Kong, and they've got all these things to make her prettier and... And I think they drug her, among other things. And, um, you know, just picture natives squishing grapes on your face and all these things that are supposed to make you more attractive and, um, and more full of life. So they really lampoon that. And it's not just uh, um, um, Meg Ryan who goes through this preparation, but also Tom Hanks. After all, he's the one that's going to be sacrificed. And, you know, they're doing all these these just hilarious things to Tom Hanks. The last thing that they do is they, they stick an octopus on his face. Like not sure what that's supposed to do. And he, he like pries it off and he's like, that's it. We're done. We're done here. So, uh, good, good comic stuff. And, uh, just as, um, grain told Joe in the beginning, total red carpet situation. And they have a big feast and, um, you know, they're, they're doing the feast and Joe has not arrived yet. Um, and they're kind of asking, hey, where is he? Is he going to show? And they give you yeah, a tiny little bit of suspense, not much. And then Joe arrives in the tuxedo he bought uh, with Marshall. And if you remember back, you know, at, in, during that scene, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast that um, Joe says, I feel like I'm getting married, and, and uh, Marshall says, I feel like I'm giving you away. Well, we're going to have the consummation of that. And don't forget that all these sacrifice scenes, which are often a woman sacrificed to a male god, um, it's also there's also a marriage motif. Like, Fay Ray is going to be symbolically married to Kong. Um, the, the lost goddess is always symbolically married to uh, the savior god. Um, or, or literally married to the Savior God, one of the two. So in a sense, uh, Joe jumping into the volcano is a kind of marriage of the sacrificed human to the God. But, um, of course, we get a literal marriage uh, right before the ending here where uh, Meg Ryan like has never really believed Joe is going to do this or, or she wondered if he was really going to do it. And Reality is setting in now to Meg Ryan, who realizes, of course, she's fallen in love with Joe. Um, we've, you know, kind of known that since they kissed on the ship before she fell into the water. 
Uh, and she's thinking he's really going to jump into this volcano and she now becomes desperate to stop him. And uh, after the feast, they go walking up this the zigzaggy path. And again, you get the um, the image of the lightning bolt, Zeus, right? So, uh, of course, the, the volcano represents God and uh, uh, Joe is going to sacrifice himself to God, to the God and uh, save the people. And then they show them walking up this zigzaggy path up the mountain, the side of the volcano mountain, and Meg Ryan's pursuing after them. And uh, they get to the top, and Meg Ryan finally, is. she's trying to persuade Joe, don't do this. Like, look, even the chief really doesn't want you to do it. Um, and uh, he says, no, he has to. He has to do it. And in Joe's mind, he's like, look, I have to be brave. I'm going to save these people. Uh, I've put aside my fear. I am the hero. And at that point, uh, Meg Ryan, uh, Patricia, uh, says, marry me. And Joe's like, what do you mean, marry you? I, marry me. And, you know, there's a bit of comedy there where they, they say, uh, he's like, I don't know if I want to get married. And she's like, oh, you're going to have to love, honor, and, and cherish me for about 30 seconds. He's like, okay, well, let's get married. And then Abe Bogota uh, performs this comically brief um, marriage. You love her. You love him. You're married. You know, that kind of thing. And then uh, Joe walks to the end of this plank that's set up for him that looks over the volcano. Now, of course, it's, it's impossible to see that scene and not think that Joe is looking into the depths of hell. It's this burning inferno. Now, the underworld is not an inferno in the Greek myths, and I'm not sure it is anywhere besides um, the Christian uh, mythology. Um, but um, I, I don't even know that in the gospel stories that there's anything referring to an inferno. There is... Uh, an, an, uh, a reference to the outer darkness where um, there will be great gnashing of teeth. That's, of course, the punishment in one of Jesus's parables for the uh, servant who does not act like a capitalist. So, so much for to Jesus as a socialist. Uh, that's something I cover in my book, An Anti-State Christmas. So if you don't have that, uh, um, just uh, go to antistatechristmas.com. You can read all about that whole aspect uh, but I digress. I know this is not Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. So in any case, uh, Joe's looking down into this inferno, and all of a sudden Meg Ryan comes up and, and says she's going to jump with him. So, um, you know, of course, Joe doesn't want her to. Da, 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 da. At the end, uh, they decide, you know, what's going to happen. They're going to jump together into the volcano. They've just been married. So this is very, very, we're in high mythic territory here with the marriage and the sacrifice of the married couple. And at the last minute, uh, I'm trying to remember who asks who. And I think it's Joe asked Patricia, what are we hoping for here? It might be the other way around. And whoever the other person is says, we'll just jump and we'll see what happens. That's life, right? And so... Um, they jump into the volcano, and what you see is them falling into this burning inferno, 
And then there's this sound of like the eruption. It kind of, there's a big air spout that, that blows them back out of the volcano and they go shooting through the air, kind of like a, a missile or a shooting star and they land in the ocean alive. So, um, the volcano then erupts and it gets kind of dark here. I mean, the, the volcano erupts and just as was, um, uh, prophesied, if no one jumped into the volcano, uh, the the island sinks into the ocean. The volcano destroys the island, presumably with all the Waponi on it. So, you know, for such a light comedy movie, it's a little dark there at the end where, I mean, Joe did do what uh, was required. He did jump into the vo- volcano voluntarily. He even brought an extra person. So you would think that that would be enough to satisfy the big woo, but the big woo erupts. They sink into the ocean. Now that you could take a whole other spin on that saying, you know, um, the existence of this atrocity had to be ended that, you know, every hundred years or whatever it was, someone would have to jump into the volcano. But of course, uh, Joe and Patricia are saved. And um, so they're, they're in the water and they're like, oh my God, you know, it's a miracle. Um, and Again, something that we've been set up for more than once, you know, they're, they're in the water and they're like, well, what are we going to do? We're, you know, miles and miles from anywhere. And the, um, the luggage then appears again. (laughs) And I can't, even when I talk about it, much less when I see it, I just can't help thinking about the barrels in Jaws. So if you haven't seen Jaws, um, number one, you're an uncultured swine, but you need to go watch that movie. Another hero's journey movie, by the way. But in any case, you know, this is more the divine help. I mean, obviously being blown out of the volcano to the extent the volcano represented God or a God, uh, that was divine help. And then the luggage, of course, just appearing in the nick of time for them to remake their raft out of and go sailing uh, into wherever their next adventure will be. Um, It comes up and then they're talking. And then there's one last time that Patricia is going to have to save Joe um, because, uh, you know, Patricia starts asking him, well, what's what's wrong with you anyway? He says, well, look, I'm still going to die. And uh, she says, well, what is the illness? And he says, he tells her the brain cloud. And she's like, brain cloud? And, uh, and Joe goes, maybe I should have got a second opinion. And... <laughs> And uh, Patricia says, you didn't get a second opinion about a brain cloud? (laughs) Um, So it turns out that um, the doctor, Dr. Ellison, Robert Stack's character, is actually not a a doctor who practices in the normal way. He only has one patient. And the patient, of course, is Patricia's father. So it becomes clear to Joe and to Patricia that the father had set Joe up, that, that there, there is no brain cloud, <laughs> that uh, he was just trying to get somebody to jump into the volcano. So he, he maneuvered Joe uh, into going to see this doctor somehow. Um, and then the, the doctor told him this false story that he was going to die, and that's what got him on this journey. And right at that point, um, you know, Joe starts to relapse. He's like, he starts to He's like feels his throat closing. He starts doing that 
that fake little cough he's been doing went back in the beginning of the movie, <laughs> you know, and he's like, oh, I've been a pawn, a dupe all my life. Da, 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 da. And you could see the old Joe is, is now going to have a new excuse for um, for being fearful and not living his life, which is, you know, he's always being manipulated by somebody else. And uh, Patricia comes in and, and quickly turns him around on that and convinces him you've got your whole life ahead of you and uh, and saves him from relapsing to the Joe uh, he was at the beginning of the movie. And um, so at the end of that, Joe is fully cured of the real illness he has, which is fear of living his life. Uh, he's found the woman he's supposed to be with. The God, the God has... The Savior God has saved the goddess, and they are going to live happily ever after. And uh, they repeat that that line. Whether they were, I wonder where we're going to end up next. And uh, I think Hank says it this time: "Away from the things of man." And then you get the um, kind of um, bookend to the beginning, where it starts once upon a time, it ends with um, this epigraph, and they live happily ever after. And they sail off uh, towards the moon uh, appropriately. Um, and that's the end of the movie. So in conclusion, um, I would say that, um, you know, there is no um, saving the people aspect to this. This is really Joe saving himself and saving Patricia. And Patricia saving herself and saving Joe. And, uh, of course, what we get at the end are two people who know themselves. That was the, um, the quest set out right at the beginning when Joe uh, quits his job uh, uh, and tells off with Turi. The first thing we say, he says at the um, restaurant with Didi is, who am I? Who are you? Are, these are the only questions that matter. Can't be any plainer. This is the question that has to be answered. Uh, and only by answering the question and knowing yourself can you really live the elevated spiritual life that the ancient mysteries promised once uh, you accomplish that goal. And, of course, um, the other thing I would say is that uh, when we talked about Hamlet being a tragedy, this being a comedy, and the um, the Western tradition of comedies ending with a marriage and tragedies ending with the death of the main character. Um, you know, that's kind of outside of the framework of the hero story who saves the people as Theseus does, as um, Perseus does, uh, as whoever goes and gets the golden fleece. I can't remember who that is. Oh, Jason, of course, Jason. Uh, to bring back the boon to the people that will you know, save them from whatever. So we don't really have that as much as to, as I said, save, save yourself, but you're say it's symbolic of saving your soul. And of course that's referenced throughout the movie. Um, what we're, what we're doing here is for Joe and Patricia, we're looking to, for them to save their souls. And of course they do. And there's your happy ending. And uh, I'll say, well, we could leave it there with Joe versus the volcano. I will look forward to your comments um, on the show notes page. Um, or if you want to send them by email, please do share them 
on the show notes page because then everybody can see them and other people can can jump in. Although it seems like since I started podcasting, I get a lot more emails than I do um, comments. Um, don't be shy. <laughs> don't be fearful. <laughs> get out there and make a comment. This is your your moment to be uh, the the um, Joe post the volcano. So uh, I'll leave it there and thank everybody for listening. And I'll have a special Christmas-themed uh, episode of Tom Mullen Talks Movies coming up next week. I'm not in love. Don't tell me it's so.